Welcome back to another episode of Phil's Hour of Power. In this very, very special episode, I get to sit down once again with the one and only Mike Vestiel and also Christina Mandalakshiani. Christina is the co-founder of Mind Valley alongside of Vishen Lakshiani. Mind Valley is on par to do $100 million in revenue this year. They have been growing this company for the past, I believe, 17 years, and it's been a journey to say the least for Christina. And this conversation left my head absolutely buzzing for many hours and days afterwards as I was consuming all of the the golden bits of knowledge that Christina shot at both Mike and I. Now, Mike and I are both young digital entrepreneurs full of testosterone and always trying to get to that next thing, right? And sitting down with Christina is getting her perspective on business and happiness and fulfillment in life was so lovely. It was just our medicine that I know I 100% needed, and it really, really, really left me with a buzz afterwards. So I hope that you guys are able to enjoy this conversation nearly as much as I did, because this is one of my favorite chats up to date. So as always, like, comment, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, leave us a comment, it can be one word, it can be anything, it really just feeds back into the beautiful artificial intelligence algorithms that are going to then allow for more and more people to hear and gain value from this podcast, which makes me excited and happy and want to share even more. So fill up my cup, I'll fill it back up for you, and that's how this beautiful process goes. So thank you all for tuning in and being awesome human beings, I love all of you, and sit down, buckle up, and enjoy this amazing conversation. It's, a, it's called the slate. Oh, we only take, take one take. No. Yeah. No. How do I know that it works? <laughs> Is it working? It's up? The red, the red light. Okay. Yeah. Right, let's do it one more clap. And then just speak into the top. Oh, I thought you wanted me to kiss it. You can kiss it also. <laughs> So should we begin? Let's begin. So I just want to begin and say that you probably have the most interesting fairy tale life in the world that has all of like the ups and downs. And I think when you get uh, like older and look back, I think it'd be like an epic movie. That, I just want to begin with that. I do not know because, you, you know, it's the most illegal question because that was my realization last year when I was just turned 40 and I thought I have this life by the book. I made it by book because I, you know, I studied really well, this whole perfectionist thing. Uh, I have my business, I have the work that I like. Uh, I was married then, two children, a boy and a girl, statistically correct. You know my story, right? <laughs> yeah, it's an insane story. Like, for example, I just want to, because maybe you guys don't necessarily, you, you might not know the entire story. What I'm story. trying to say yeah. is that just because I had the book, life by the book, or as you say, amazing mm -hmm. life, doesn't mean it was the right thing for me. Mm -hmm. can, we, can we talk about it? Because like, if we even just looked at your entire life, you, know, you went through the entrepreneurial grind, you started Mind Valley in you know, that interesting place in New York and uh, grew it to, it's approaching a, like a $100 million a year company after years and years of struggles, ups and downs, uh, people stealing from you, business partners stealing from you, and a lot of just heartaches in the process. 
what was it like not only coming from that crappy dark hole, but then when you got the success and scaled it to realize that you still weren't happy or fulfilled? These are slightly different things because my yeah. satisfaction with Mind Valley is separate from my satisfaction with my life overall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's also like the same, wouldn't you say? Like the business is also an extension of. It is, but these are slightly two different stories to tell. But when it comes to Mind Valley, again, this is Vision's child, uh, Mind Valley. So he has had his own journey with it. I was more of a, uh, of a person just always there with, with Vision, with Mind Valley. But I think I was always delusional. I think so. Because when we started, uh, I come from Soviet Union. I was born in Soviet Union. So for me, business was something which was illegal. So business people did not exist. They were unicorns, you know, the magical creatures that you have never seen. Nobody has ever seen. So when we started Mind Valley, it wasn't about how successful it was. It was more the whole thing that, wow, we're doing something, something so cool. We are paying our own bills. Nobody is hiring us. So that was my my journey the whole time. So I always saw Mind Valley in the future. So even when in Vision's idea, we were struggling and he had his problems. I was like, no, we're doing such a cool thing. So I think I was always delusional and that has always made my journey through Mind Valley completely more enjoyable than for anyone else in the company. <laughs> so as you were mentioning all these hurdles, you know, we rediscovering ourselves, always being bankrupt and business partners and separations and nasty divorces and theft. For me, it's all like, you know, you go to an amusement park and all the rides are awesome. They're just differently awesome. <laughs> so that's how I always looked at that. But then again, I'm weird. Maybe you should ask that question of the people who are a little bit more responsible. I do not know. Yeah, no, there's a lot done. <laughs> I well, like, I, I don't know the story as much <laughs> as you know it either. So I'm, I'm pretty interested to hear a little bit more maybe into some of these things that occurred and that I'm not aware of. In the Mind Valley or in my life? It, it's, it's, it's so interesting though, like, like in terms of that, right? It's like... You were you witnessed this entire creation where you guys are literally like one of the hottest, if not the hottest, mindfulness company out there that is actually making a change, making a difference, and people come in all around the world to move to Croatia where this Mind Valley U is happening to just really learn from you guys. You know the tribe that you're building, right? Mm-hmm. But it's such an interesting thing because what you guys do and what we're all striving for is some type of fulfillment to be able to be our transparent self where this is who we are and to not really ask for any forgiveness because this is just kind of like where our authenticity is, right? So it's kind of like curious because, and it's a great thing to have you on this podcast is because people will strive for the company, people will strive for the revenues. And then what they realize is they're looking themselves in the mirror and they're still unhappy. They're, they feel even more broken inside to when they didn't have a company, right? Yeah. Sometimes more money and more success just exposes more of the heartache that you initially felt. So this is more a question than about me than my yeah. our company. But we both came from Sri Kumar Rao's session right now. Mm. And the message that I love the most that he was sharing, and I think it's a very important message, is that you have to focus not on the goal, not on the outcome, but on the process. And that's exactly the same. The process has been insane. But what I think when I think about Mind Valley is that we are not anywhere done. 
we just learned certain things, but what we need to do next is still so huge and scary. So we're still in the process. So I don't think we've reached the finish, and that's the whole point of this message. You are never going to reach it because there's always something bigger. So in my opinion, what we have to do next is to start speaking to people who are not exposed to personal growth. We're so used to speaking to people who, who are already mm -hmm. open, who are already interested. Yeah. And this, for me, is the new challenge. When it comes to your actual question about how, how come that I was actually unhappy. <laughs> I wasn't unhappy. I was the first person in my company to teach happiness. So I have a, that was literally how I came on stage. I, was, I had this beautiful talk about six practices to be happy. And I still believe that this is true. But in the process, um, I have a weird um, way of thinking about life. So whatever happens in my life, I try to see deeper meaning. So for example, my phone broke and I had to move from iPhone to Android. By the end of two weeks, I actually did a post where I saw philosophical meaning in what happened. Yeah. So that's, when you approach life like that, it's a little bit painful to live. So what started happening was, so we had this beautiful company, we had a, a big team of 300 people from all over the world, living the life of our dreams. I get to travel a lot, I've seen every single continent on this planet, haven't reached other planets yet. Mm. Beautiful children, literally everything you want. And then at some point I started catching myself thinking things and feeling things that I thought were inappropriate, wrong, uh, not quite what I should be feeling. So for example, I'd go on a business trip, I forget to call my kids, and I would think, oh my God, I'm a bad mom. How do I not, not even feel the urge to call my kids? And I mm -hmm. really love them very much. Or I would go out, and people introduce me, this is Vishen's wife, and I, and I get upset. On one side, I should be happy and proud that my husband is successful and has done something meaningful in this life. But I think, no, but you're not seeing me. What you're seeing is a facet of me. So when I started catching myself thinking that, I started digging. And what I came up with is that the life that I live is a facade that I've built for other people. This is the facade which I've built by the book, by someone saying that success is this. This is what you're supposed to do. As a woman, you're supposed to find a good husband. You're supposed to get children. You have to be doing this and that. But what I was feeling inside was not necessarily corresponding to what was from outside. So at the age of 40, I realized that the only place where I can be myself is when I close the door to the, my bathroom. Nobody can walk in, and then I can admit that I'm actually pretty messed up, and I'm not really happy despite my perfect life. And that started the whole thing <laughs> and my life crumbled into pieces I was not serving I was not solving any problem at all I was just looking into myself and realized that I have to disassemble my Disney castle and what I like thinking of my life is right now I have this whole set of Lego bricks and they used to be a Disney castle and I'm Putting, I'm building a new thing, and most likely it's going to be a spaceship or something else, but not, <laughs> not the picture-perfect life mm. I had before. But I love my life now much more. Yeah. Can you actually take me back to that position then? Like when you were actually in the bathroom, you locked yourself, and you just like looked in the mirror and cried? Because that's like something that I feel like most people don't realize when they're on the pursuit for that perfect cookie-cutter life of what society quote unquote thinks, oh, this is a successful life, you know, get two and a half kids or um, like have a successful business and to travel around the world. You know, there's like this facade from like media and just like what other people say, this is what it means to be happy. And then you achieve it. But kind of like paint, kind of like unravel the mind, if you could, on what was going on when you were like, holy crap, I have this, but why? The thing is that we believe that it is what we want. That's the thing. The, the thing about delusion is that you're not aware of it. So that's, we, we actually uh, 
cheating ourselves because that was I was completely sure that I had a perfect life. So the feeling of not being content was the feeling which I thought was wrong. So I was thinking to myself, why do I feel that? I, sh I, have, no, I have no right to feel that. And so many of us say, oh, but I, sh I have no right to feel a certain weight. But it doesn't matter. That's what you feel. So I started, I just started going deeper and tr trying to analyze why do I feel? What does it say about me? So what I was discovering along, along the way, I didn't like because I, I, I was brought up on the literature of the 19th century, classical literature, on classical uh, ideals of everything, of love, of life, and then suddenly I realized that maybe I'm not even meant for a you know, lifelong relationship. Maybe that's not what I want. It's not a, an easy thing for a woman to accept that about herself. And the worst thing is actually then to tell the world that, hey guys, uh, I've been married for 16 years, but that might not be what I want to be. Mm. And you know, for a man to say, hey, I might not want to become I'm a businessman. I might not want to care about money. Maybe all I want is something else, you know, express myself in a different way and not really follow the model of success that we all think. Like maybe I don't want to be the strong dude. The thing is that the lowest emotion that we can feel is shame. And shame is attached to your perception of yourself as perfect or imperfect. For men, perfect is strong. If you if you think that you're showing anything less than strong, you will start feeling shame. It's natural. That's how we're wired. For women, it's perfect. The moment I'm not perfect mother, not perfect wife, not perfect woman, I start feeling shame. And that's what we don't want to feel. So we start inventing all sorts of ways to disappear, to, to not think about that, to replace, replace um, whatever is happening with something else, which is not true. So we, we resort to... Uh, to numerous escape mechanisms which don't work, which actually lead to one thing. We ruin our uh, emotional well-being, our like, psychological being, and, and that's not a very long-term mm. strategy. But how did you get out of that? Because you, know, you go from in the bathroom crying to then now unconsciously uncoupling and then happier than ever. Look, look you're like freaking glowing, right? You look <laughs> so happy. And it's not necessarily because, you know, you didn't enjoy the moment. It's just because, you know, you are now more in alignment with who you are as a person, not what society makes you. But what was kind of like, say someone listening to this right now, they're going through this thing of, oh, I want to be perfect or a man listening to this and, oh, I have to always be strong. What was action steps going from, you know, looking in the mirror and not liking mm -hmm. how you felt to then maybe opening up to vision and maybe even talking to your kids. And then even like the team of 200 or 300 people that work for Mind Valley, that probably would have, <laughs> been an insanely difficult conversation. We can talk about the conversation to translating your truth to the world as a separate topic because it's, it's a deep topic. But back to your question, just, just as a background, actually uh, uh, us separating with vision was the last, probably last change that had happened. It started with me uh, literally taking sabbatical on, uh, at work. That's, that's where I started feeling. I, I've been doing marketing. I used to love marketing for what, what we're doing. I, I've been running business. I thought that even my work is something that I love, but at some point I just slammed the door and left and said, I want to discover myself and you. And then I started speaking and then I discovered that what I loved was not nearly as good as what was there in store for me had I just had the courage to slam the door and say, okay, I'm out of here. So that was the beginning. The separation with vision was probably one of the last stages, which was I was the most afraid of. But what do you do? <laughs> you lie on the floor, face down, and you allow this to be. Mm. You don't struggle. And you don't think of how do you get out of that. Not at that moment. I honestly love talking <laughs> to you all the freaking time because your <laughs> viewpoints are 
so different from my viewpoints. <laughs> like for, for uh, you, like I remember the first time I had a conversation with her uh, because we went to this event. We were in Copenhagen, Thailand. It was a mastermind. And then I started talking to everybody. And then I saw her just sitting there by herself. I was like, oh, I'm going to have a conversation with her. Co-founder of Mindvalley. This should be pretty interesting. I sat down and whatever thing that I would say or any one of my ideas and philosophies and me, I'm a very certain dude, right? Like whenever things come out of my mouth, I'm 100 and million percent certain that, okay, this is my truth. No one can ever change anything. And this is how it goes. And you cannot sway my thinking. This is my perspective. And then I talk to you and then you're like, you're wrong. This is why. And I'm like, <laughs> maybe I am wrong. It's such an interesting superpower that you have. And it's, I think it's because you're not even, you're, you're thinking like with, and this is why I look, cause you're, you're very in tune with your feminine nature and you're thinking with like that perspective instead of this is logic. This is why it needs to be from point A to point B, but it's such an interesting uh, concept to have. So when you were there, cause I'm like thinking about this from like the listener's point of view, mm-hmm. like how would I be able to do that? Say, for example, I'm tired of being the person on what the world thinks I need to be. Like, for example, like right now uh, in my mind, I'm in my twenties and innately there's this need to conquer the giant dragon in my twenties. You know, I had this conversation from the event that we had and like right now where I'm in, in my life, I have a lot of friends and mentors that are in their forties and fifties that I see that they wish they could have taken advantage of their twenties more so, Mm. which kind of like instilled this thing in my life where, okay, now I have to achieve more. Like this is actually what messed me up. Okay. Mm-hmm. I went to the AFES in Bali uh-huh. and it was amazing. It was life-changing. We talked about it, but then Vishen was talking and he was like, yeah, you want to scale your business and like accomplish big goals. Are you worthy or are your goals worthy of you or are you worthy of your goals? And then I was like, you're right. And then the iFlix guy came and talked about it. Patrick, uh, what's his name? Patrick Grove. Patrick yeah. Grove. And he's like, yeah, you have to dream big goals and then just scale like crazy. So in my mind, I'm just thinking scale, 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 scale. And from there, I ended up hiring like 15 people out of nowhere because in my mind, I was just like growth, 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 scale more. And it was this idea of in my 20s, I need to have a successful startup, build a really big revenue just so that you could kind of like talk about revenue. And then <laughs> that's when you're quote unquote successful because, oh, you have a big revenue. Oh, that's cool, man. We love but you are now. Are you enjoying the ride? Right. No, no, I think that's, that's the important oh, thing, right? That's the thing. Because if you enjoy the ride, there's nothing wrong with that, right? I, uh, well, in my perspective, <laughs> I just love having these intellectual conversations, right? This, that's like what my core competency oh, but is. This is so easy to fix. I just can't like manage people. No, though. just do just do what you do best. Yeah, and only you can do everything else. Somebody else can do. Delegation is like the, yeah. the most important thing I learned in my life, and I learned it in a funny way. I hate cooking, and then I accidentally ended up with a woman who does groceries and cooks for me, and I suddenly realized, wow, that's the way to buy yourself time. So I actually translated it into business, and I have a very strict rule in business. I only do which. Only the task that only I can do. Mm. And I have an amazing team. I'm not very good at organizing people. I don't like managing people. So I have people to do that for me. I actually learned it from Branson uh, when we were the first time there with Vision together. Uh, Vision asked that question. He's like, uh, Richard, you have 300 companies at that time. He had about 300 companies. Mm. Eight of them are beyond 1 billion. How do you run all of that? So Branson said, it's very simple. If I have a mission or if I have a goal or something like a vision, I find someone who shares that vision with me 
burns as much as me, but can do it better than I do, and I just get out of their way. So I learned it the hard way on my Russian side of the business, not the big mind value, but my Russian side of the business. I was, I, I separated with my business partner. It was a painful separation. I felt scared because I thought I was in business only because I had someone there with me. So I was scared, can I do it alone? And then for years, I've been trying to get out of near bankruptcy because we, it's, it's too long to go into details, but literally, I was banging my head against the wall thinking that, uh, that I have to prove myself now. You know, I'm by myself. I can do that. I can do that. And then one day I woke up and I thought, maybe I'm not CEO. Who cares? Just find a good CEO and let them run the thing. So I passed the business to a girl who came to work with me, who seems to be quite okay and organized. And literally in the next one year, we double in revenues because apparently I'm not very good at CEO. But just because I'm uh, an entrepreneur doesn't mean I have to do every single thing in the business. I can do marketing really well. But what I found out, that there are a lot of good marketers. But when it comes to speaking, hmm, and weird way of thinking and weird way of talking to people, I'm the only one. So I only do what only I can do. Everything else I don't do. So you can enjoy your ride. You just have to have yeah, lots no, of people and don't it, manage them. It was so interesting though because I, I like intellectually I downloaded, I understood, I was like, okay, just intellectually. Yeah. I, I was like, okay, this is exactly what I need to do. But like my biggest problem, because I came from like the sales and marketing background, it was also very hard to find people that could do it better than me. Yeah, of course. And they you know? might not. And they but, might do it worse <clears throat> than you and it's not a problem. But then I was just like banging my head on the table, like, oh, why can't they just do this? And then it what, just would what, what was your what, what was your why though? Like, what was the reason that you were doing all this? My why was probably to just create something big and epic, just because I wanted something big. And <laughs> can, epic. I, can I give a slightly <laughs> weird example? Yeah, the weirder the better. I'm really good at cleaning apartments. It's scary how yeah. good I am, but I would never do it for my maid. Although my maid sucks at that, because it's not important. A mm. lot of tasks in your life. such a beautiful I mean, metaphor. I'm <laughs> freaking made right now. I'm sorry, but seriously, a lot of things in our business, you think that they have to be done perfectly. No, sometimes they just have to be done. Mm. And entrepreneur is an artist. It's a creator. Creators yeah. don't create out of the rut, out of the hamster wheel. We need vacuum to create. So I did, I, I did randomly, when I slammed the door and I said I'm taking sabbatical, I suddenly discovered so many things. Because I finally got the space to create and stop being in the in a hamster wheel. So if you, if you are serious about your business, you have to give yourself time. 20 to 30% yeah. of nothing doing, nothing doing, no meetings, no tasks. You can have a book in the office if you get bored, mm. or you could just think or go for a walk. It's important. It's just beautiful because what you give me as like a young entrepreneur, and you probably feel this as well, <laughs> is perspective, right? You guys have been in this for, what is it, 20 years? Not 18 years, 19 years? Me personally, 16, vision longer, yeah. 16 years, yeah. So for example, for me, my, I think my biggest problem, and this is kind of like in terms of uh, the industries that I get into, it's very easy to scale a business fast, right? But because of that, my mentality and my identity probably would not scale as fast as like, you know, the materialistic or the external results, right? And because of that, I feel like we were talking about this earlier, either me or you or Leon, that we kind of gotten spoiled with like the early success where we didn't go through the crap and the shit that you guys went through of building something for more than 16 plus years. You know, like I, I, I can't even have a perspective of what it would be like to build a company for 16 years because the longest business that I've ever maintained was just like my YouTube channel. And that's only the lifespan of two or three years. But this is because we're not building business. It's uh, like, <laughs> I used to bug Vision on Sundays. Like, why are you working? And he's like, I'm not working. I'm following my dream. I'm, it's, 
as cliche as it is, but <laughs> that's yeah. how it is. But you can last long if it has much deeper meaning, if it's not just a business, if it's not just a game, if it's not just numbers. If this is what you are meant to do in this world, you will do it for a long time. And if it fails, you still, you still keep on doing that because you're mm. still going where you're supposed to be going. But it's so interesting because in the past, and we feel like this, is we just follow the money and the trends and then that it's always in a place of reaction, right? Well, in your guys' business, you guys are just in your being. Right. And your like, business comes and I'm like, uh, it's, it's like that one book, Power Versus Force. We're operating everything by force and you guys are just like in your power, in your presence. I have, I have a, diver, a different met metaphor. So we Here we go. You're wrong, Mike. No, no. This is what it is. <laughs> it's, it's, you're not wrong. It's, it's exactly the same as you say, yeah. but in my weird words. Oh, way better words. More <laughs> so, eloquent words. <laughs> so we have this fascination with, uh, with hustling, right? Yeah. And the thing with hustling is that it is resistance. So when you go to the gym, if you come out of the gym and your muscles are not hurting, it's because you haven't exercised well. You haven't had enough weight, right? So the same with hustling. You feel that you earn success if you've put sweat and blood into it. And if you're not hurting, then you haven't earned the success, right? So this whole mentality, it's just the framework. We actually create resistance so that we feel that we've earned the success. And we've all done hustling, like I've done my final paper in university. You push it off so that you resist, so that you actually sleep, don't sleep through the night. And then when you're finally done, you're like, I deserve it. But I think that there are two regimes because hustling is important from time to time. Like I'm very hustling when we have events, but as a general rule, I want to be a surfer in my business. And a surfer, and I'm not a surfer, you guys live on Bali, you know what I'm talking about. I have only seen that on TV. It's this little thing in the sea, it's just there, and you're thinking, what on earth are you doing there? But then when the wave comes, he jumps on his board and he's on the shore way faster than anyone else and with like a joyride as a bonus to that. So I believe that in business, I have to be a surfer, mostly. I just have to be there, and when, you know, when I'm in the flow, I create. You know how creative people create? Like how copywriters write. They walk around, they don't know, they, like, they, they're delivering, and then suddenly it comes, and then they just sit, sit down, it's the wave. They sit down, and it all comes out. That's, that's how I see business, and hustling just doesn't make it. Because hustling is, you, you're literally going to be banging your head against the wall, and I will say that it's not our fault that we are hustlers because we are taught that from school. When we go to school, what do the teacher says? Oh, Mike, you're really good at mathematics, but your writing is very... Maybe you should spend more time writing. Like, you're good at mathematics. Why are you supposed to spend more time writing? Like, why, to be a good student, you have to spend time doing things that don't work out for you. If you did what you're the best at, you would enjoy, you wouldn't even realize that you're working, and you would become better and better and better rather than wasting time doing other shit just because you believe that you have to put sweat to succeed. Mm. So it's your teachers and your parents who have taught you that. It's all their fault. Yes. <laughs> I have daddy, daddy, daddy and mommy issues. <laughs> what do you think about that? Because like I said, you're, you're like in the exact same situation. You're in this e-commerce business and it, the money is like easy and you're scaling and you have your partners. I don't know. Last time I saw Phil, he was on a beautiful island uh. <laughs> enjoying his time. <laughs> this is all true. But no, I, I definitely resonate with uh, the thing you're saying about hustling as well because there were periods in the past few years as I was learning to work online where I felt like I literally, if I wasn't working, I would feel guilty because I had to at least be sitting at my computer. Even if I wasn't doing things productively or intelligently, it was just that like I had to be there and working so that I could feel like I was achieving something yeah and because how do you deserve it right and that sucks <laughs> like I did that for a long time and I just feel like that was just 
not very, and then I get to a point where I'm like, okay, I'm not happy. I'm not enjoying this. What can I change? And then that's where you, where you start talking about there's more intelligent ways to, to operate a business and hang out in your strengths rather than your weaknesses. And I think that that's really beautiful where you want to be as well. And then in regards to us with e-commerce and scaling businesses really quickly and not having patience, I think that that one is like that feeds the ego really quick. And like for me, it's like, yeah. I want everything times 1000 right now. Yeah, we want <laughs> or it now. Yesterday, I, I want it like yesterday, but like right now is good. It's not right now. I'm a little bit like, all right, where is Why? it? Where is it? Where is it? Yeah. Why? Because... <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think it's an ego game, honestly. I'm not really sure. Because I feel like when I set out to do something, I want to have that result already. And I think that's like a part of the... Like you want to deserve your own love. Potentially, yeah. But also all the things that come with it. So not, not just the love, but also respect like... respect for yourself. <laughs> not respect. <laughs> not, not just for myself, from everybody, right? <laughs> and if you don't succeed, what then? Uh, and then I'll feel bad for a bit and then I'll try something go else. Go to A-Fest, go to Mind Value. <laughs> I, I think it's hard to go to A-Fest to Mind Value if you're not succeeding. Yeah. So what then advice would you give to like mere mortals or like simple primates like us to that are like on this, on this like, because like think about it, we, we, we see success and we're like, we're almost like rabid animals, like filled up with testosterone in our 20s, just on rock and cow go, go, go. all the Enjoy time. It. Yeah, I think that's, that's sometimes that's we don't the, even breathe. You know, we're just like grind, <laughs> and then we see you just kind of like dancing and having a good time. And I'm like, man, Christina looks like she's having a lot more fun than all of us. Maybe I'm not. Maybe that's not your idea of fun. I don't know. Yeah, I think if you're enjoying it, it's fine. If you're not, then it's a different story. Then you have mm. to start asking yourself questions. In my case, I started asking myself questions and started coming to the realizations, which I like this whole analogy with the building we have the facade but then we have this whole row of rooms in the building and mm. the attic and the and the basement and we often don't go there and in your case it might be the the weakness the perception of weakness and the fear of 100% yes and if you go into that and if you explore that and if play if you play with that you'll discover so many interesting things about yourself which you do not know right now and I don't know you're the only one who will be able to figure it out but the thing is that while you are not aware you don't even know that there is something that you're not aware of because that's how delusion unfortunately works if I go on stage and ask who of you do you think uh, here is the real you you know we love authenticity we all believe that we are authentic but and if I ask that question, most people will say like, "I'm real me." But if you if you let them dig deep enough, they will suddenly discover that maybe maybe that's me, maybe that's not. We we put on the masks. We are learning that from from parents. <laughs> Behave this way, you know, do this, which is fine. But then after a certain time, we we assimilate with those masks. So my mask was the mask of a perfect person. Hermione in a way, you know, I studied well, I did my career super fast, I did everything well. And that was the mask which I got so used to that I forgot that there was anything beyond that mask. Anything which was not perfect was just completely hidden in the basement. So if you have the courage to go into the areas which are scary, which make you icky and uncomfortable, take the torch and light on them then you will discover interesting things about you. And then I can't... You know, the thing about being yourself and authenticity, it's, it's not a switch that you can switch on and off. It's like jumping out of the plane. Once the chute is open, you can't pack it back and go back to the plane. So if you dare, go there. But then you might end up like I did with your life in shambles. Rediscovering yourself at 40. In your mm. case, at 20. Pregnant with two kids. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But it's a worthy journey because the easiest thing is to be you. 
I, I love this. Like, so, so, because so authenticity is not just a thing that you can switch on, right? How you have to go into your fears and face your fears to unlock and put light to that different parts of yourself that grow yourself into that fully authentic self. I think that's like the most But that's the thing. first thing because after that, after you see that, it's like, is that me? No, that's not me. And then finally, you're like, okay, that's me. Do you, <laughs> do you have the courage to accept that? And these are the areas, if we're talking about that, that often is relationships. Like for women, it's like the discovery does she want to have a proper family, children, husband, or not? Like the, these, a lot of women, we think that every woman wants to get married. That's not true. Mm. Uh, it's sexuality. If you finally, if you suddenly discover you're not the regular person, you know, a heterosexual person, but anything else, it's scary. It's anything to do with, uh, with our strong emotions, anywhere that, where our ego is at play. All of those things, they have potential for our growth because you can dig there, you can get hurt, and then the, then the journey starts because after you discover that, you have to actually be at peace with that and, and learn to be grateful for everything, for everything that has happened to you. And because that's like, if you say that you would like to be something else, but thanks to what you are, you are here. And that's a beautiful thing. So accepting yourself and then after that, translating it to the world, which is the scariest. <laughs> yeah, that, there's, there's a lot to unpack, seriously. So much to unpack. And then the more I realize it, it's almost just kind of like what was stemmed in childhood, right? And what were like the things that happened in that time that kind of like shaped your values. Like for me, I could already see and unpack where it's coming from. And it's coming from a place of scarcity. When my mom and dad came from the Philippines to America, they had nothing and um, the scarcity idea or motif or theme was just always consistent throughout the youth of my life, right? So then when I started seeing some success online, it came to the point where it didn't match that current mental model of what my mind was shaped like. And then I had to kind of change the way I saw things. Mm -hmm. But then I was talking to somebody else earlier on and I'm like in extremes, right? So I'll, I'll be like vegan for 30 days and then just pure carnivore for 30 days. I'll be pure <laughs> business orientated for like 30 days. And then I'll just maybe go on a mountain and meditate or go in Copenhagen and do Tantra for like 30 days. Right. So there's like no healthy in the middle. And even now where I'm at right now in my life, it's just, it went from the scarcity to now almost like thinking that I want to prove something to either the world or my loved ones, or the people around me, that I'm no longer that little boy that was afraid, that was afraid that if he didn't become somebody, the dentist that people would love, that he would actually find happiness. And it's crazy because initially, in the sense of things with what you were talking about in the zone of consciousness, right? I was talking about this earlier, like on Yakir's podcast, mm -hmm. and that is... If you look at the movements of, for example, consciousness, you have like the shame, which we were talking about, mm -hmm. guilt. And then before you get into higher consciousness, the first thing to start representing higher consciousness is anger because yeah. that's what actually gets you motivated to take yeah. action. And it, pride is there. Exactly. And pride. So I think a lot of where my action is being stemmed from isn't in the place of, for example, what many big time CEOs or like they look like they're enlightened all the time. They're like, oh, what's up? And then, you know, we have this beautiful guy speaking tomorrow, Galang Tupton. He's a Buddhist monk. And yeah. whenever he comes to stage, he says, we all suffer. And you're like, you too? Actually, everybody suffers. Did you see that video that we were shown today? Mm -hmm. Like if you look at every person, everybody has their pain because that's normal. It's part of life. We have light, we have dark, we have pleasure, we have pain. Everybody has that. But when I was listening to you, I was thinking, you have to uh, listen to Marissa Peer. I hope she's going to have a regular talk as well. But she has worked, uh, so she's a hypnotherapist. So here's, 
she has worked with the most successful people in the world, mostly celebrities like uh, Hollywood celebrities, uh, athletes, uh, even a British royal family. Uh, and what she noticed um, is that everybody, almost everybody goes into the spree of achieving things out of feeling of not enoughness. Mm. Once I prove that I can build a big business, I will feel mm. enough. I will feel worthy of love, right? And the, the, the scariest thing is that the moment, because she works with those who have reached the top, and she says they're the most broken because when they reach the top, they don't have the pull. Before it was this idea that I just need to reach that thing and, that will, and then I'll feel enough. Mm. But once they're there, they have reached that thing and they're still not feeling enough. That's when they're left with themselves. So the only relationship you should care about is yourself. Your relationship with yourself. Do you feel enough? Even if, ever, even if you were a loser by general standards, if you decided that business is not for you, if you decided that what you want is lie on the sofa and read the book, would you still feel enough and worthy of love? And the, the irony in that is that, so the guy who was recording from my team, recording where he said, he, he said you know, I have a, this burning question. If I tell myself that I'm enough, am I not going to lie on the sofa and do nothing because I'm enough? She said, no, we're doing that, lying on the sofa and doing nothing because of the fear that we are not enough. That's why we're not mm. going out. The moment you are filled, the moment you know that you're enough, you're worthy of love the way you are, that's when you get the true courage. Mm. That's when you get the true fire to move. It's not the pull, it becomes the push. Would you say that's for everybody, right? Because like for, for me, I'm thinking that only applies to overachievers because you have someone maybe like listening in on this and they're like completely lazy. They just want to <laughs> do something goodbye and then they might hear this and be like, oh, I'm just going to sit on a couch and just let success happen to me. Kind of like the people that believe in the law of attraction and mistaken it as the law of laziness and they're just sitting there and be like, I'm just going to be me because... But that's the fear. That's the feeling of not enough. You, if you know that you can do something, you'll go and do it. Look at the kids. They see something creepy, they're like, oh, I'm, I'm going to go and try, because they believe they can do that. If you're not going out and trying, it's because you don't believe, you deep inside, but you don't yeah. believe that you can do that. Mm. And everything that you say that, oh, I'm enough the way I am, I'm going to meditate myself into success, these are lousy excuses. We, all of them, all of us have these lousy excuses. They have the excuse that, uh, you know, I'm enlightened as I am, I'm good enough as I am. You have an excuse that you have to prove anything to yourself. Mm -hmm. You just have different excuses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think for, for those people, it's more about a fear that is keeping them kind of kept up onto their couch. Right? They, they, probably the, they probably had the call to action before multiple times. I feel like life always gives you a call to action. It's easy to just ignore that initial call to action. We've taken that first call to action onto the hero's journey towards whatever, right? And, and I think that what you're talking about with the high achievers and getting to that point of achieving everything and still not feeling like having enough that's like I have, I have really th this is actually Marissa's uh, idea but I have really silly analogy because I love silly analogies <laughs> it's like a dating scene right who are the guys who don't approach the girls those who are scared right mm. that's the fear that's why you're lying on the couch you don't go and you don't do the action and then there are the overachievers who go and play with numbers and no matter how many numbers they have they're still not happy but what you want is connection is love is deep it's not it's not the numbers it's not the reach it's the depth so I think it's the same with our uh, dating. Literally works everywhere in marketing and whatever you. Yes, one hundred percent. Holy crap! Uh, it, just even talking about that, I love where this is going now. So 
<laughs> I got into the first thing that I did when I was like selling online was I of course went to seminars. I did like network marketing. I uh, did direct sales. I did door to door. I sold on eBay, and then I learned a bunch of like sales and marketing. And then when I had the sales and marketing, I realized I was unhappy in my relationship side of it. So I literally took money from that and spent 30 days in Vegas, which is a horrible place to learn <laughs> like dating and authenticity and relating. But then I learned from like these people who are like dating and confidence coaches. It was so fun. I was like 21 to 22, never been to a club in Vegas before, never went out sober before. And that was like the <laughs> challenge. And I'm like 21, just like learning all of these like, uh, ideas of psychology and then when i moved it over to business i was like man all business is is like dating but like with dudes <laughs> that you're just trying to make it partnership is, with it's so true yeah but then it gets stems to like the idea of what we are as humans and we just crave connection yeah. after like we could overcomplicate everything but at the end of the day what is it that we strive more of can we connect with people who are just like us, who are just as silly and crazy and have these like silly little jokes as well and can we like create that tribe um, which is such an interesting thing because I feel like that's why we want relationships. This is really tough for me though, right? So there's like this area where there's fear of taking action and there's the area of action and trying to achieve as much as possible and it ends up being chasing your own tail because you'll never actually, <laughs> yeah. and, and you'll never actually take it. So there's these two different ends and then there's somewhere in the middle there's this that's like, the beautiful yeah. thing about life it's all it about con contradictions <laughs> it's paradoxes no, yeah, seriously. It's a, yeah it's all about contradictions it's the coincidence of opposites exactly. right? that's what they say you want to, if you want to achieve a goal first of all you have to have motivation and really want it but then you also have to let it go and be okay with not achieving it and then you're like what the fuck what does that mean yeah, so which, <laughs> which one so do I challenging. do like, like you have to presently live in the future whatever that means like either I'll be too much in the future and then I'll like miss, I'll, I'll not be grateful for all the things that I have now, but then I'll be too in the now. I'll be in Bali, like drinking rock cacao every day, doing my static dancing and getting on my like hippie dippy shit. And then like, I won't progress in life. <laughs> so it's like, wherein lies the balance? Well, but how but do you find progress? And, and, and how do you find fulfillment? <laughs> this is what messes me up. <laughs> and how do you find fulfillment though? When you're doing the yeah. raw cacao, when you're doing your static dance, do you feel, do you feel, do you feel fulfilled? And do you feel okay with where you are at that moment in time it's weird because i'll either feel the connection but then no fulfillment and then i'll feel the success but then no connection <laughs> I, you know i, I just gotta do life book again bro <laughs> I have weird analogy it's like you know children in kindergarten i'm that child they try they try drawing they try dancing they try sports they try a lot of different things before they figure out what is their thing you're just trying out right now that, that's the biggest thing that blows my mind because every single time I realize, oh, I'm not enough. I'm not as successful as my friends. Oh, I'm not doing as much. And I'm like, I'm 25. Take a fucking chill, Mike. And it is a slippery slope because there is always someone who you can connect, uh, compare yourself to, no matter what you take. You make your business, a million dollar business that will be a dude next to you, yeah. 10 million. You get there, there is someone 100 million. It's, there's always someone who does and, it. And, and that's going to be true even when you're 35 or 40 or you know, 50. It's yeah. interesting uh, because last time when I was speaking at AFAST, I had quite some strong speakers right before me. And I'm sitting there and thinking like, no, I'm, I'm never going to have this presence on stage. No, I don't have this uh, authority. And I was comparing myself to those different speakers, feeling horrible, thinking how am I to go on that stage after all of them. And then I suddenly remembered my friend said that we think, we, we're in chase of talent. We believe that there is such a thing as I 
I have a talent. In reality, all of us are multi-talented people. And what makes us special is the unique combination of different things. So when I brought that thought back, I suddenly realized it doesn't matter that he is more present on stage or more, more like, I don't know, loud on stage, right? That this dude has more authority, that this person has the, I don't know, the education. That doesn't matter because I have my unique combination and maybe facet by facet, I'm worse than others, but together I could be completely different thing, much more impressive. So don't compare because often what happens is that you compare yourself, we compare apples and make uh, conclusions based on oranges, about oranges, sorry, based on apples, make conclusions about oranges. You think that you you're not enough, that you're not successful, that you're a lousy entrepreneur because somebody's business has a different revenue from your own, somebody's conversions were higher. You, you should be comparing conversions to conversions and you as a human, to use a human, completely different things, not connecting them. So comparing yourself, comparison is the worst thing we can do to ourselves. <laughs> Only if it ignites you. But if, if it makes you feel not enough, then... Doesn't ignite me. <laughs> yeah, it's really weird though because I think... One of the biggest things that I constantly have to remind myself is perspective. Instead of zooming in in like a one to 12 month experience, you have to zoom out at like a five or 10 or like a 20 to 50. You know, you learn this with, invest with investing. It's like, what is your investment horizon? How long are you gonna stay in this? Are you investing this for like a quick flip or for three months or six months or a year? Or is this like a long-term hold? And the more I like zoom out of things and have like that bigger picture, you start realizing that maybe this trough in your life was happening on purpose or for a reason because had you have had some type of success you would have never had the motivation to pivot to like mm. a greater success right so that's kind of like the biggest lesson that i keep on thinking and having amazing conversation with you that's my favorite topic by the way <laughs> which is what the painful experiences in life victor frankl said that pain stops being pain when it gets meaning Mm. So oftentimes, oh, Sri Kumar Rao, we, we just listened to him. Mm. He says, you know, the business, the purpose of business is your personal growth. Mm. You succeeded very good. You didn't succeed very good. You've learned something. You've grown. You've changed. How you like when we decided to separate with Vision, people were judging our success of our marriage by the by the fact that we ended it. 16 years, is it good or bad? Are we were we successful in marriage or not? But the, the idea that um, Catherine Woodward Thomas shared was that you should uh, you should judge the success of a relationship by how much you have transformed, how much you mm. have changed. So if you look at every experience in your life from that point of view, how much has it helped you grow, then the meaning of that event starts changing. Pain often stops being something you don't want. You're like maybe you are not seeking it, but you are okay with that. You mm. you are grateful for it because that I, I had the most painful period of my time last summer. Literally to the point where I thought I'm not going to make it. And at the end, I was thinking to myself, why? And then suddenly I realized that the new me that has emerged through that pain is so good. I do not want to go back to that. And I realized that that pain was necessary. Had I not paid that price, I wouldn't have had the change. So whatever experience you have, have you grown from that? That's what, the only question that we should ask. What was that pain that you were going through last year? A lot of self-doubt, a lot of things. That's exactly what I was talking about. That's when I started digging and discovering things about myself mm -hmm. that, which I didn't like. I, I should have been a happy, a happy woman married to a successful guy mm -hmm. with two children and a business and the work that I love and a lot of travel and a house and a bunch of cars and a lot of people to help me in the household. And I wasn't happy. Mm. Mm. <laughs> so how are you like finding meaning then in your life right now? Is it just constantly growing Mind Valley to the next level, getting more impact, building the tribe even bigger? Or 
What's like the thing that fuels you now or is it just to be present and to not focus on business? No, I do focus on business. I love my new team. I really love them. Uh, they excite me. It's all women. <laughs> I'm discovering the joys of working with women and the joys of sisterhood, something which I've not discovered before. Uh, I, of course, my children always bring me joy. I have started speaking. I love that part of my business. I might finally get the courage to start writing the book. <laughs> so there's, there's a lot of interesting stuff happening. And then there are a lot of countries I haven't seen and some things I haven't done yet. Yeah, one of the things that I can commend you for is when you visited Bali and you hopped on the back of my moped and it was like an experience. That, <laughs> it was so funny because like I have this moped that has like this really dinky uh, little footstool thing that wouldn't pop out. So and she was like wearing high heels for some reason. <laughs> and then we she hops on the back of my moped. I'm like, all right, let's go through the shortcut, which is like this crater of a like little pass. It, it's literally like you're driving on the moon because there's just so much craters in. And like there were so many times that she literally would like koala on my back. Yeah, I think she told me about how terrified <laughs> yeah, she was. That's how we bonded actually. <laughs> Well, you have to go for that. I, so when we were last time in Branson's Island, they decided to swim from... Uh, Branson has two islands, Neck and Mosquito. So they decided to swim from one island to another, and it's five kilometers or two miles. And I, I am not very confident in swimming. So I was thinking, mm, I can't swim, but I'll still come. I do not know what will happen. I'll still come. I, I knew I was not going to go to swim because it's, it's scary. But I thought I'll figure something out. Something will happen. So I ended up on the rescue boat, you know, watching out that we don't lose anyone in the group, especially Richard Branson. You don't want to be in that group where you lost Richard Branson. <laughs> you don't want to be the guy that, uh, who <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> and then I, I was just there. I, I knew I had to be there, even if I can't swim. So by the time we reached Branson's second island, he's family was there on the beach having breakfast and I had to jump out of the boat swim my last five meters I did swim a little bit and then I ended up having breakfast with him and his family and I was even allowed to sign the book and I was thinking it's so funny how we're sometimes so scared and we know in advance I can't do that so I won't even show up mm. sometimes you just go and do things no matter it's it doesn't matter you will figure out you will yeah. not kill yourself just do something mm. So I'm really happy I didn't chicken out. Mm, that's so interesting. Even kind of like, I, I was actually curious about this before and what you mentioned, you were at Richard Branson's Island, which is totally badass, 1%. And because you guys built this amazing company that's doing huge difference in the world, Mind Valley, uh, you're able to connect with some of the most powerful thought leaders in today's day and age in this generation. Like we were talking like, I don't need to read books. I'll just meet the person that wrote the book and have like dinner with them. And I was like, damn, that's so much better than my Audible subscription account. Um, but what what has that been like going from, you know, uh, not supposed to be an entrepreneur in the Soviet Union, uh-huh. going to New York, starting Mind Valley, and then out of nowhere, you're surrounded by these people that are like the change makers and moving things forward. I think I always just allowed people to take me places. <laughs> it wasn't my plan. I was working for the government. I was doing NGO works. I, d- I did not plan to do business, but I had no visa in New York. I had nothing better to do. Vision had another job. So I just started helping him. So he said, we need to, you know, I need a site. So I I created the logo, the old one. You mm-hmm. haven't seen it probably. And then he came home once bringing like this thick book. Uh, he put it on the table and he said, I think we should program our sites in PHP. I'm like, sure, I'll learn it. So I did a lot of random things just because I had nothing better to do. Similar to that swim story, I guess. <laughs> so mo- most of the things I've just uh, followed uh, followed my heart and I allowed, mm-hmm. it's, I know it's cliche again, but I just allowed my life to take me to places and, and try to get the best out of the situations where I was. Maybe if I sat down and planned my life, I would have planned something else, mm-hmm. but it mm-hmm. doesn't matter. 
And how does that enjoy it? Right? And how did you start attracting those people? You know, because you have like, for example, John and Missy Butcher. They like grew this like big company, and then you also have. Um, they did like what a billion or six billion in sales with those you little know, ornaments. You know, it was a journey because initially we had to sign the authors and talk to them and convince them. But then with time, of yeah, course, before Mind Valley was like a big brand. Like, yeah. what was the initial movement well, to start attracting that tribe? Vision, Vision worked little by little strategically. He was doing things well. People were interested. We first offered them marketing services, so that's how we started working with certain authors. Of course, right now we get authors approaching us. My story is different. <laughs> I just don't care about celebrities. So Vision likes to take me along to, to meeting with important people because I, like, I don't know half of them. <laughs> so, They're like, do you know who I am? You're like, no. And I that's, think that's, that's better for the business. Yes, uh, two days ago when I met the Prime Minister of Estonia, I had been so out of the country that I was like, who are you, dude? <laughs> Sorry. I'm the leader of your country. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's the thing. It's probably Estonian. So my, my course of action is I just follow the heart again. I would connect with a person if I enjoy my communication. If I won't enjoy it, I wouldn't even care that you're mm. important. Because I, I really believe that we should uh, we should uh, try to give up resistance in our, uh, in our life in general. So sometimes if you're putting a lot of effort into achieving something, I have to close that deal. I have to make mm. that connection with that person. And <clears throat> you, you struggle, you force. It's, it's the resistance. It's this whole hustler mode. I still believe that usually if you have to go through resistance, it's not the right thing. If you right. flow and you enjoy, it will happen. Everything will happen. You have to just find this moment of enjoyment. Can you learn to just enjoy your presence with anyone, whether you are successful or not? So my thing with celebrities is just, I'm just listening, I'm in tune. If I enjoy communication, I'll hang out with you. If I don't, I will turn around and leave, and I don't care how important you are. Mm. This, is, this is awesome for me, because I'm, I'm reading The Stranger Experiment right now. You know oh, this yeah. book? Have you, do you know this book? Who's the by? It's by Michael, uh, anyways. Yes. Michael Pollan? Uh, Somebody? In, I don't remember. <laughs> okay, the Stranger Experiment basically just talks about this guy who went to be, he wanted to just be a monk. His voice, the voice in his head, he wanted to get rid of that voice in his head. It's always telling him these different things. He realizes something deeper underneath of that. And he's doing this experiment just to surrender to whatever life threw his way. So if life threw something his way, he would go along with that and kind of allow for it to unfold and blossom. And by doing this, his entire life changed in ways that, initially his mind would say, no, I don't want for this thing to happen. For example, he had this property and some lady started living on his property randomly. And he was like, who's this random lady? He's like living on my property. And then his brain's like, no, just allow, you know, just allow for this. He told himself just surrender and allow for this to happen. And then as he allows for these things to happen, it just evolves and takes him down these different alleyways of life that leads him to ultimately his entire, his, his entire experience that was, that was huge and his entire impact and to re writing these books as well. Mm -hmm. And so that, like, listening to you talk about your journey and how you just kind of follow the heart and kind of allow for these things to occur and just go with the flow and allow for whatever resonates with you to occur and allows for life to unfold in front of you in that way. I think that's just, like, such a beautiful, beautiful art. And then I think when you talk about the, the pain and the, the pains that occur and within your life when things start to be very challenging, I think pain is just an attempt to hold on to the past self as life is trying to guide you in a different direction. So if you're trying to hold on to like what mm. you want life to look like, that's where the pain comes from, where it sticks pain from. Pain becomes worse if you hold on. That's for sure. That's the surrender. That reminds me of two things. Uh, number one, yes, man. It looks, just sounds just yeah. like that movie. <laughs> the second thing, there's also this idea of like, I think it's called reality transurfing. Mm -hmm. If you guys are familiar with I've that? I've heard about it. I don't know. Transurfing, where essentially mm. it's, it's the opposite of whatever any successful person would ever tell you. And this was created by like this 
uh, Russian quantum physicist. Oh, yeah. Like a while back. And I remember reading it when I was, uh, I think, 19 years old. And I didn't understand it because it was, uh, it was what's it called, translated from Russian. So mm -hmm. some of the translations were lost. <laughs> But essentially, it's you pick the thing that you want out of life the most. And then you don't focus on it. And you just allow it to happen for some way. It just happens. It's kind of like, for example, back to the dating analogy. If I found a girl super attractive and in my mind, I would just like constantly think about her over and over and over again and getting myself into that story of this person will be like, if I like marry this girl, my life will be better and I'll be happy and everything will be great because I put so much focus on it when it comes to the point or the opportunity For something to happen, maybe we become friends, maybe we may, maybe we make a baby, I don't know. But there would be so much pressure because I put so much focus on it that that opportunity would just run away from me, right? And it's, it's so interesting. It's, it's such a different mentality for success. It's like, okay, what it is that you want? Okay, now forget about it. Because if you make that your priority, it will elude you. And we come back to the same thing, you know, it's uh, the opposites. You're just balancing the completely What? opposite things. <laughs> Because that's that's the thing. We like to have the recipes, one, two, three. This is do's, these are don'ts, and then that's what will make and you everything's happy. everything's easy. <laughs> there is no such thing. We're all different. We all eat differently. We all exercise differently. We all, uh, you know, spend our, relax differently. So why, why do we imagine that our lives can be governed by some set of rules? We have to figure them out for ourselves. And that's uh, sometimes just requires... Uh, balancing the opposites. So basically, the thing I can say is that we have to have our brains switched on and be conscious about things that's going on mm. and not be on autopilot and then things will start making sense eventually. Mm. For you. And they might make <laughs> different sense for me. Yeah. <laughs> Man, there's so much that I have to like write down after this conversation. <laughs> this has been a full power conversation. This is a full power conversation. And, um, we have I think, three good people here, of course. No, but this, this is a problem with like this is we can just talk for hours. And that's why it's like really interesting because now, I mean, you guys are based in Malaysia. I think it'd be also really interesting to just, I mean, you're based in Bali, I'm based in Bali. We should just do our visa runs and come to mind. I'd be like, yo, what's up? Yeah, yeah, I think it's a good idea. Yeah. And everyone, like, podcast, but does anyone want to say anything else from this conversation? Yeah, that was, <laughs> I have a lot to reflect upon. I have a lot, I, I'm going to go well. probably lock myself in the bathroom and just cry for a bit to just, like, try that oh, exercise. that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, no, maybe listen. It, it's letting go. Maybe listen to some Beyonce, some empowering, like, you know, music, and then, yeah. <laughs> I think I have a lot to unpack. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we can always do a second episode and go into something more interesting. <laughs> well, there's so many things that I want to talk about, right? Like one of the things that we could move from this conversation is relationships or um, the esoteric stuff. And then what's even the meaning of life? Because now th that we get more into these questions, it begs the question, well, what's the point in it all, right? Or maybe we could go into your hypothetical crying in the bathroom and talk about that. We could talk about that. That's actually <laughs> going to be very quick. It's, it's, I'm going to have a set of rules, okay? It's mm. going to be like an itinerary. So for two minutes, I go in, I look myself in the mirror, dead in the eye. Yeah. For 30 seconds, I'll then slowly go on the floor. And then for five and a half minutes to kind of like get the entire... Uh, personality thing i'll just cry maybe some, maybe some gentle sobbing leaving, leaving yeah, I'm, the I'm crying. Worried, but also like flushing the toilet every two minutes so they they don't so. know that they could hear me crying right yeah it's 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 fun you're making fun of that though <laughs> no but i think it's an interesting topic maybe next time we'll talk about that yeah but there's like so many different things from that mm. to spirituality to uh, 
life after success to why even chase after success. success. <laughs> There's life after success. Right? <laughs> and then you're like, it's so funny. Like entrepreneurship is weird because you leave a nine to five job, a rat race in there to go to another rat race. And then it's like, what, whatever anyone is in the spectrum of life, there's always something that's bothering them. And, and that's okay. And that's okay. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm starting to realize. Is you don't have to, and then you have like John and Missy Butcher and they're like, okay, they, they are not even human beings. They're almost just like this. Everybody has their suffering. Not everybody chooses to talk about that. Mm. Everybody has pain. That's the thing. That, that's why I'm saying it's a topic that can trigger me because as a parent, I know yeah. how it happens. Your child is born. You want your child to be happy. Did your parents want you to be happy? Probably, yeah. I what do so. they do for that? <laughs> they usually try to prevent you from Smother having pain, you. <laughs> right? Don't go there, you'll get hurt. Don't do this, this is bad. And then we learn thinking that happiness is uh, not having pain. And this is the silliest thing that we can ever think because this is the only thing which is absolutely true that will happen to us. We will feel pain because we get attached to things, to people. We lose them sometimes due to circumstances. Sometimes they just go out of our lives. So we will feel pain. If we, psychologists say you cannot numb, uh, numb emotions selectively. If you numb pain, you numb pleasure. If you numb dislike, you will numb love. Everything is numbed. So if you don't want to feel pain, you essentially choose to be a zombie because you have to numb everything completely. So uh, yet we are born and our children teach us, our children, our parents teach us, we teach our children that happiness is absence of pain. This is ridiculous. So that's why I said it's fun that you're making fun of, of this hypothetical crying in the bathroom, but this is the topic that we have to talk about as a society and we mm -hmm. never do. Mm. Even when you talk about failure, you don't talk about what's happening when you ask me, what do you do? I said, lay down on the floor, face, face down, because we don't even talk about that. Mm. The moment we talk about a dip, the moment we talk about falling down, we talk about how did I bounce back? But gravity doesn't work upwards. So to bounce back, you have to actually do something. It's not natural to get back up. If everything that didn't kill us made us stronger, we'd have a lot of really strong individuals. Yet what we have is trauma. It's people who are like broken. Because it's not natural. So unless we start talking about that and discussing that and being yeah, fine with that. This is very true. <laughs> so, so the, but, but the trauma that they feel is, is it because they just attach a different meaning to it? Because some person can take that trauma and that could be their message. They turn their mess into their message, right? But then some people are, just play the victim and then stick it's, to it. It can be an art form, man. I think what I'm learning now is more so whenever I get a pain, it's just a, the pain will make me angry or make me upset or make me sad or whatever, right? And I take a step back and try to look for the message. Or before, there have been periods where I'd just be like, I would just go through self-hatred and just feel like shit and just be like, I'm a horrible person, right? So it's kind of this different path of ways to take the pain. I think it's all about the framework. If you have the framework, you can, you can get benefit from the pain. If you don't have the framework, you, you're messed up. So a lot of people, like you guys are not like every regular person. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> no, seriously. If you wouldn't be here if you didn't have some... Uh, subconscious, some, some natural uh, talent in Superpower. understanding what to do with that thing. Mm. You, you are not victims, not because somebody came and told you, you had it somewhere in you, but the rest of the humanity, some of them need help. Some of, some of people need help with success and money, other people need help with raising children, with loving people. We all need help in somewhere, but we don't ever ask about that. So you guys are lucky because you managed your pain to turn, well, at least uh, into muscles for sure. Yeah. <laughs> 
It's but, a lot of crying. But a lot of, <laughs> <laughs> it's bet, a lot of it's a lot I of flushing bet. the toilet. It's like all in the tricep. You know? But a lot of people don't know what to do with that. So what do they do? They they end up in depression, or uh, they end up in stress and anxiety and being afraid and not feeling enough. There are so many. There are so many. There is pain behind your desire to be super successful to prove something. You just maybe haven't looked into that and you know what that pain is. Mm. But it's fine. Everything grows through pain. So how would you then say, like, for example, what would be your approach to then reach those people who haven't been reached before? That's with their this journey. Whenever they're ready, they'll hear me. Yeah. I, I, my approach <laughs> is don't change people. Don't, mm. don't fix people. People don't need to be fixed. I mean, they, they, when they're ready, they will, they will find yeah. uh, the right message. But the worst thing we can do is start fixing. Um, th this, this is the concept which was the hardest for me to learn, is that everybody has their own journey. So j just as an example, my, uh, I came into the bedroom of my children, and my son, he was 11 at that time, was crying. Not a very common thing you see an 11-year-old boy doing. So I asked what happened. He said, I forgot to do my homework because of some whatever reasons. I'm scared of tomorrow. So my natural desire was to solve the problem for him, to write to the teacher, explain that we were traveling, it's not his fault. But then I thought, wait a minute, this is his journey. If I solve his problem right now, he's not getting the lesson which he has the chance to get. He will get it later, and maybe I will not be next to him when he's getting that lesson. So his lesson was to actually face his fears and face the consequences of whatever happened. And I know it's scary, so I talked to him. And for, we have to understand that for an 11-year-old child, this humiliation of being called out in front of the class that he had not done something might be the lowest low. It's like for us to survive a bankruptcy, literally, because that's the child's world. So I just said, you know, Hayden, I understand it's scary, and I'm also sometimes scared, so let's talk how, how you can deal with that. Of course, everything was fine. He, he faced the consequences. He was scared. He came home. He forgot about everything. But the point is that I allowed him his journey, despite him getting through very nasty emotion and me wanting to solve it for him, me wanting to fix it mm. for him, I chose to allow him to go through that while I was there in case he was not fine. I was there to help him. Mm. But we do that all the time. We always try to help, help the people that we love. I'm going to teach you how to be healthy. I'm going to teach you to, how to get rid of that habit. But if the person is not ready, we are going to frustrate ourselves and that person. The person has a journey. You have to allow that person the journey. And sometimes their journey is very painful for us. Like when I told my mom that I'm divorcing, she disagreed. So many of my people, of, of people from my family, they said, you realize that you're going to hurt everyone. You're going to hurt your children, you're going to hurt your parents, your in-laws, everybody's going to get hurt. Why are you doing that? This is selfish. But the thing is that when you know what is important for you, what is true for you, this is your truth. If you're willing to stand for your truth, even despite the possibility of hurting people that you love, then you know that this is really your truth and this is not a facade and this is not doing for someone else. So. With my mom, it was a painful experience. She was very upset, she didn't talk to me, and I, I knew she was going through pain. But sometimes we have to allow people that we love to go through painful journeys, so I don't fix people. Yeah, so like the biggest thing that I'm getting from that message is almost like you want to experience pain as early as possible, or early in your journey, right? Like for example, for uh, me, and then some of my examples, is for example, the people in my life, and we could just say, um, we'll just use smoking cigarettes or something, mm -hmm. right? So for example, my dad, when he was 11 years old, he got caught smoking cigarettes in the Philippines, right? There's no regulation and this was back way in the day. And my grandpa found him smoking cigarettes and he could have easily like taken away, no, that's bad. And then immediately that would just give him 
the connotation, okay, maybe I should just smoke cigarettes when my dad's not looking, right? But instead, I don't know if this is good parenting or not, but my grandpa was like, okay, you want to smoke cigarettes just like your dad, huh? Here's two packs of cigarettes. You have to go in the bathroom and you can't come out until you're done smoking all of it. <laughs> and my dad was like, yeah, I can smoke all these cigarettes. He goes to the bathroom, starts smoking one, three, five, first packet, second packet. He, he's like crying because the, the fumes was like so bad. And this is at age 11 to the point where that pain was so bad for him that he never smoked a cigarette ever again. And then you have someone else in my uh, uh, other family as well, where they were like the most perfect child. You know, they followed the rules, they got good grades, they never touched like alcohol or any type of drugs. And then at like 35 or 40, they were like, you know what, maybe, maybe I should try something and just went the deep end. Yeah. Or if, even if we think about heartbreak, if you're like 35 or 40 and you've never had a girlfriend or you've never had a heartbreak, that first heartbreak in age 45 or 50 will destroy you. It will kill you. Yeah. It will kill you. I think your grandpa might have been a little intense. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the whole idea of forbidding things to, to putting hard rules like this is my ultimatum, that just doesn't work. So what I'm saying is that, of course, I will explain to my children that I that this is my viewpoint. You can share it or not. Like I, if, if I caught my children smoking, I would probably say that... I, you realize what it does to you but i cannot here's two packs of cigarettes i cannot forbid <laughs> things to people because we know that it works in economy like that the moment mm. something is forbidden there's a black market because people will still keep on doing that yet in netherlands where everything is allowed locals apparently they consume way less than all the tourists and anyone because it's allowed there is no charm in mm. that they've tried what's the point so i i think your granddad was smart but a bit intense <laughs> Old school Filipino gangsters. And a little bit dangerous. <laughs> but the, the whole idea, but what I was trying, talking about my mom was a slightly different angle though because what I was trying to say is that it's not about pain per se. It's that her reaction to what I had chosen about my life was just her reaction and her journey. And I could, I, I, I deliberately didn't call her because I knew that if we were to talk when she was in that state, I would try to convince her that I'm right. I would try to make a point, try her to, uh, try to make her see uh, how I see the world, but that wasn't the, the the point. It's not about if she understands me or not. It's my decision. It only has influence in my life, and whatever she's going through is her reaction to what I've done to my life. But this is about her journey. So in the end, she actually called me and she said that um, that she had gone through so much thinking because of that, and she she was thinking about her own life, where she decided to compromise her own happiness for the sake of some convention for the sake of somebody saying this is success, this is right, this is wrong, and how, how much she had to spend time in the bathroom crying. And she said, you know, when I realized that you're just being brave, I, I'm not going to argue with you. It's your choice, and you're just being brave, and you're not compromising. And that's what I'm trying to say. It's not necessarily pain. It's sometimes, it, it, whether it's shame, fear, anger, whatever it is, we all have our journeys, and if we are feeling that, we're feeling it for a reason. And the best thing we can do to the people that we love is be there for them. There was this beautiful song, I will leave my light on. That's literally the only thing we can do, leave your light on. And let them, let them because you cannot force a lesson on a person. Mm. You cannot force a healing on a person. That's, it doesn't work like that. Yeah, it's crazy. And especially when you force it, they just tend to resist it even more. Mm -hmm. And that's the giant conundrum or paradox. In, in you love someone so much, you want to help them. But because of that intention of wanting to help them and help them, they then don't want to be helped even more so.
Yeah. <laughs> All I can say is meow. <laughs> so that be said, thank you so much for that knowledge bombs. I'll see you oh, in Malaysia sorry. or Bali. I'll just do all my visa which, runs. Which way is the right one? Probably like this. This, this or this? Yeah, right here. Okay. Ah. Jellyfish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for. Yeah, thanks for coming on. That was that was that was dope. An amazing conversation. That was dope. <laughs> it's so great having this because I mean we have conversations with just mostly. Um, people that are like in our demographic and we kind of we kind of forget that there's other viewpoints out there and it's like this little bubble and i'm so grateful and so happy to have uh met you in what's it called Copenhagen, in thailand yeah we don't remember each other yeah well i remember you you were were having crazy dance and i was like whoa but no i'm so grateful to like have like sharing this journey and having you in like that area of the globe where you know you're just like right there and it just blows my mind that you're so wise and you're so happy and i don't know i'm just super excited to see even like from this if we just allow ourselves to surrender and just see where like this relationship will unfold in the next 5 10 15 20 years and looking back at this video and just like wow remember that time that was funny but then we'll also have like robotic arms because of like AI and blockchain and artificial intelligence. We're going to have Computer this exact podcast. Yeah, yeah we're going to get so efficient that uh, this, this is going to be holograms while like our own selves are just going to be at home on the couch, just like in pure bliss. Well, one of us will be at home on the couch in pure bliss. We have some clones are out doing other stuff. Also exactly. stuff but you don't have to wait for that time. You can just go and live in the cave and be in a pure bliss if you want, if that's what you want. No, like that would be so much. odd. No, I'm afraid it's dark. <laughs> <laughs> so that being said, thank you so much. Yes, thank you. Thank you.